0: Hey, what's happening? PM as promised. Man, I'm creeping out of campus here. There's not a friggin' soul around here. Everybody must be finishing up their class or limping home after a long day of studies. We've got a lone security guard. On a lawn by his kiosk, with a surgeon's mask on, <clears throat> reminds me a little bit of my time when I was a security guard, respect a guard. I told you about that, right? In Neptune, New Jersey, about twenty minutes from where I lived in Beechwood at the time. It was 20 minutes up the Garden State Parkway and I was there. Pulled into my little teal Ford Ranger. All the friggin' staff, most of the workers were leaving for the day by the time I got there and I would just sit at the front desk or maybe sometimes the loading dock. And I would sit there and I would relax and read, study, best job I ever had in terms of just the ability to really get things done if you wanted to, if you're interested in things had a hobby, had another mission or just want to read a book, relax my confidant Joel he was a short, fat little guy, he was probably in his 60s at the time, late 50s early 60s and he was just he loved just doing this job collecting i don't know 9 12 dollars an hour whatever it was just sitting there he'd like to work the 8 to 8 to 4 shift no i worked 4 to midnight he worked midnight to 8 a.m. third shift and he would just sit there with his little ...fucking... ...little tight little outfit... ...sit there and read some shit... ...and you catch him up there... ...come up from the loading dock to relieve him or whatever... ...after a patrol and he'd be sleeping... ...snoring away... ...didn't give a fuck... ...then there was Ollie... ...Ollie was a former... um, ...army... ...chaplain's assistant... ...he was a sergeant major... ...in the fucking chaplain's assistants. He was also one of the nicest people I ever met in my life. But how the hell you could become a sergeant major... ...the highest rank in the entire... ...you know? He attained the highest rank... ...in the entire army. An E9. Enlisted rank 9. And he was a chaplain's assistant... He was a good guy, he was actually from Ireland, so we would have some great conversations a really nice guy. He was probably God feels like sixty or seventy then I hope he's still around real nice guy, faithful unbelievably, smart, and he had this little thing now he would get like when somebody would would say something funny he'd go. He would suck, suck a little air through his, his pursed lips and he had a little mustache and very nicely trimmed. You're like, really? Really, Aaron? Really? Really, Aaron? And he had some other security guards who were enemies. This guy, Gartley, and when he would say is, Gartley was also, he was a security guard part-time. He was a um, cop in Seaside Heights Walking the friggin' boardwalk Dealing with drunks and assholes all the time <laughs> And he wanted to be a municipal cop So I believe he is today He's probably about ready to retire He hated Gartley He's like, Gartley There's a little Irish accent Who's that, Jim Gartley? Aaron, you know, I don't want you to wind up like Gartley Make sure you do your job around here You know, you guys just do whatever they want to do I mean, like, so, Ollie was like a do-gooder, like a, not a company man. He actually hated it and he, um, but he enjoyed just staying busy. He'd be there, you know, they don't. <laughs> it was great. Ollie was the best. Good man. Joel, Ollie, me, <laughs> Gartley, and then there was a guy, that was his name, Jim get His name. But he was a he was on his way out. He was about ready to join the Air Force. He was gonna be a pilot in the Air Force. He had finished college and he was going in the you know, I was fresh out of the Marines, going to college, and he had finished college, he was gonna be pilot in the Air Force, and I believe he did. Very squared away, so he just did whatever hell he wanted, pretty much. Nice guy. There was this other guy, Cormac. Cormac Torphy. He was probably in his fifties and he was a little sinuous, very hairy guy. Really bad breath. And he I think that he would he was the nicest guy in the world. Pretty smart. I think he came from money, but he was like I don't know, it seemed like he was obviously he was he had a family so I think he was on his own somewhat but his father might have run for office or something, I don't know anyway oh there's another there was a real fat slob of a woman that left right before I got there a little bit of carryover. There was something called the camel spit incident where she had relations reportedly had relations with her husband or something and then came into <laughs> came into work and sat on the desk and was talking to another security officer and it was like a you know, like a de- plexiglass on top of the desk and she lay they call it the camel spit incident because she left like fucking some juices on the fucking desk, and was sitting there talking running her mouth about whatever, and then she got up, and there was some remnants there, that's fucking nasty, right, I don't even know if that's completely true, but I don't know, some strange goings on there, so I would wear this freaking humiliating powder blue shirt with the fucking creases sewn into it, and this fucking dumbass badge, i wear this radio, big fucking antenna on my hip. You just walk around. It was, just, it was a big insurance complex. Three buildings. You tore them. You had this little, like, freaking security thing. It was basically just more to, to watch the employees than anything else. you hit this little thing on the wall and go beep. And it would track your progress, like, oh, this area was patrolled in this particular hour. So you just walk around, and they could check. They could make sure that you were on patrol. So I'd study my ass off, and then, like, I don't know, you know, an hour before I got off my shift, just to stretch my legs, after studying or writing papers all night, I would haul ass around the building and see how fast I could do these tours... I would do like a fucking 300 PFT, moving like freaking greased lighting around that building. Clock in at all the different places, check the loading dock. Nothing really ever went wrong there. Just a bunch of computers. Remember, they always let the screens on. Computers were always like a screensaver, you know, jittering around or whatever. hitting a little traffic here, i would probably be able to do this whole podcast fucking between here and the Lansdale. Shit. So it's, it's okay. Having a little fun with this one. So I do go on patrol and, you know, you I'd show up four to midnight shifts at 4 a.m. You know, or 4 p.m. Most of the workers be leaving and there was a lot of very well-dressed people men and women in their suits, and their suit pants, and their fancy dress attire, it looked good, smelled good, a lot of the beautiful, beautiful um, women worked there, and they were all very, um, very attractive, I was in a, a pretty serious relationship at that time, living with a girl, so... I was always very well behaved, but there was this one girl, her name was angel, and man she was fucking hot hot um I mean that one of my actually a couple of my fellow workers uh, security guards remarked that man there was a chemistry between us when she came in and we got a moment to speak it's almost like, it was this weird thing, it was like, it was like we were meant to interact, we were, like, there was a, it was, like, tense, there was a lot of hormones circulating at those moments, you know, she was hot, and she wanted everything to do with me, and she knew that I had a girlfriend, she was like, she was a nice, respectable girl, but she was pretty aggressive in her pursuit of me, and until one night, I sat down with her, I said, hey, you want to, I'm going to eat at whatever time you want to talk, and so we went out back, and we sat at a picnic table, and we ate together. And I was eating some freaking something I cooked, it was like beans and rice, I was trying to be like, cook my own food, be healthy, all that shit. Anyway, we ate and we talked and basically told her, I said, listen, I'm very attracted to you, very attracted to you. Would, you know, under different circumstances, I would be all about going out with you. And, but I am in a relationship, and I'm going to be true to that. And she respected that, but she could tell in her eyes she wanted, she was pissed a little bit. Like, not pissed, but really disappointed. She knew that I also was attracted to her. And, uh, Anyway, he was quite interesting character. Um, security guards, man, what a fucking, what a great thing! Everybody that would leave, just sit there. Once in a while, some of you come in and do some, or stay a little bit later to get some work done. And, and how you doing? I talked a few weeks, Lenny, uh, last week about the cleaners. That some of them were Haitian They talk about voodoo and they teach me some Haitian. Terms and all this stuff. It was a good gig, man. It was a pretty good... It was a it was the perfect job for me at that time. I basically got paid to sit there and study. So it was fucking ideal, you know? Anyway. I saw this, uh... This little, this young man when I came into the university this morning, he was about my age then, and he, here he is sitting at the, sitting at the gate. We'll let this gentleman cross. <clears throat> and he checked me, he goes, uh, you're all set. I bet you all the cute little commuters are checking him out when they come in through the gate wondering if he's single or what's going on. Who knows? Anyway, good for him. And there's a couple of old guys too, just like Ollie and Joel. And there was also, during this, uh, for the security gig, there was... There was a... Um, an engineer crew. So these guys, they were all men. These guys would keep the buildings running, you know, these gigantic industrial buildings. Office spaces, they would keep the heat on and the everything nice and clean, and all the hinges oiled, and all that shit. You know, bathrooms, somebody blow up the fucking toilet, they go in and fix it. They were responsible for all of that. Changing light, light bulbs high up in the ceilings, and shit like that. So, there were some colorful characters, too. There was this guy, Al, I remember his fingers, the ends of his fingers were really bulbous. It was like a A tree frog or something like that. He's a real short guy, almost like a like a gnome or something like that. He was something else, ow. Really funny. Good guy. Hairy. Smoked the hell out of his cigarettes. I mean he smoked like a fiend. these friggin' crazy-ass swollen fingertips. Easy-ass, swollen fricking fingertips you know what it was it was his, it was hypoxia because he was a fucking smoker I live. I would note that he had no respiratory capacity I started learning about these things realized, that recognized that that was a was a function of that and the guy I got he I hope he's alive still but he can't be in good health ow and there was a the big guy I forget his name real nice guy he ran the show then there was Tony Tony was a consummate bachelor. Real nice guy. He had a bit of a a temper. he would get pissed if somebody crossed him wrong or didn't do things just the right way. And he was always looking to, you know... I think he was a little bashful, maybe a little bit self-conscious. But he was... He needed to get laid, you know. But nice guy. He was always nice to me. Then the cleaning crew of the Haitians... They were nice folks. Some of the nicest people I knew. There remember one time when I was on patrol. This gigantic desolate lot. That all these office workers were to park in. There was a stray dog. It was like a St. Bernard or a Rottweiler. or Something like that. And I opened up this stupid van. Like a freaking... Astro van or whatever. I opened the sliding door and the dog jumped in. Jumped in and tagged along with me. Saw in its collar the address and I brought it home. So that was pretty cool. Alright, shift gears a little bit. That was fucking a little walk down memory lane. It was a good job. Fucking Let me tell you something. I just had a, a little encounter with some students there. They have an anatomy lecture exam on Thursday. And lab exam next Tuesday. So, we're about these call these midterms, I guess. And they're struggling a little bit, you know some of them I had I caught one talking a little shit saying something about how you know sometimes I'll mention if you have me in lecture, well you know, we cover this. It's like, well, I don't have you for lecture well the bottom the, the re- bottom line is lecture and lab the two the lecture and lab components should complement one another, so it shouldn't matter who's teaching what. Now I'm the fucking best there is. I'll tell you that right now. So, obviously, if you have me for both lecture and lab, you're in good shape. I can't speak to um, the specific curriculum or the manner in which another professor teaches. But I'm sure they're, they're, they're great too. She's just belly aching because not doing so well in my course. You know, the first exam made a lot of stupid mistakes and leaving blanks when I said never leave a blank because I can't help you. In that case. So. Uh, you know. It's ridiculous. But I'm trying to save them all. So I sat down with her. And I spent quite a bit of time. Just going through things with her. And you know. Teaching her the different skeletal system structures. This lab exam is all skeleton. So I took a lot of time with her and reviewed all the things. And then, you know, now she puts in the material herself, puts the time in with the material herself. She's sure to get a good grade. And now she can reflect that Dr. O was the one who sat there with her and gave her extra time, even though I caught her talking shit. You know, this is one of the things that people do. Like there's another student as well. I went over. I was like, hey, you guys need any help? You know, anything I can do? And I could tell they're they're both, their body language is terrible. Like, they're like, oh, you, oh, you don't, you're not doing well? Me neither. I got this, or I didn't really like this. I didn't like the way the test was. I wasn't ready for it. I mean, yeah, really kind of easy. But the thing is, it's not easy. This is anatomy and physiology is hard. This is hard material. It's a lot of it. It's not that it's hard, but it's, there's a lot of it. And so we're not messing around here. I understand you got other classes. This is hard fucking content. Just because of the volume, there's so much of it. So you got to put the time in, and got to do well up front so that you have confidence to get you through. Otherwise, you're going to get boggled down the details, and you're fucked. And so this young lady, the one young lady that I was helping, similar situation where she didn't, you can tell that she wasn't so enthused, because I was trying to help everybody else where I could but being respectful because I gave them time to fiddle with the bones themselves she finally said uh, can we talk uh, she said how do, you, how do you know all this stuff I'm like I just put the time in just memorization just, you know do my best to understand it and, you know pick up models and use all the materials and it's like how do you understand anything you got to put the time in. You have to, you have to master it, and I've done it many, many times. So I'm an expert at it now. But I said, I'm sure that you. There's some things that you're really good at, just because you've done them a lot in your life. And if you, we were talking about that, what that something, I uh, would be have all these questions, or you have all the answers and, you know, she's kind of, there she's young, so maybe she doesn't have anything pops right out like that, but anyway, it's interesting to me when people are not performing well in something, they're uneasy, they are, they lack confidence, they're looking for somebody to blame it on. the ones, of course, that performed well in the first exam that, again, I felt was quite easy. They got, they're all smiles and telling me how they're registering for um, me for both lecture and lab next semester. I've been pondering what the hell I'm going to do if I'm going to continue to teach I do love it. But I gotta say that I crave a little bit more time to do the things that I want to do. If I have my Tuesday and Thursdays a little bit more to myself, well, I get a lot of things done around the house. Be able to spend some more time with my kids, my wife. and <clears throat> be able to take better care of myself, rest, carve wood, of course. So I'm thinking about chick cannon teaching. Maybe I'll wait until the end of the academic year. Maybe I'll continue doing it forever and bitch about it all along the way. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But when people say that they want to take me for both lecture and lab, because this is their favorite course kind of tugs on my heartstrings, and I want to help them, you know, and others like them. All right, so I'm going to pull into Planet Fitness here and kick ass and take names, try to set up this corporate membership. But first, I want to share something quick with you, quickish. So I saw this Onion article. This morning. I saw it a, a while ago too. Onion is fucking hilarious, you know. For its humor and its irony and it just it just it's unbelievable. It's onion believable. I love it. Um so the article it said something to the effect of I don't it now. Oh it basically was like a it was a guy and it said it was a youth pastor standing there with a uh, you know white-collared shirt on, a young man with this little fucking stupid beard, you know, like a juvenile underbeard. And he was standing in his basement. And he goes, Look at this new rec center, you know, that I've created there. It's got everything that you need. And You know, I've known places like this. I've known people like this. I probably have, I don't know. I know a dozen people who went to school to be, to get like their master's in divinity or their doctorate in whatever, you know, like, like, a like a degree program, like degree programs or a master's in divinity. And then the goal is that these folks are going to go out and start their own church and I know people who are missionaries and they've been all over they're wonderful people I know people who go all over the world and help people and adopt kids from foreign lands and and all this stuff this lady And I think it's a very noble thing It's very I know and love all these people. This lady parks right fucking next to me, I'm going to be pissed. Get out of here. She's fucking motoring. Um, so I got so many faces in, in in mind, so many great people that I know and love, really care about who did this sort of thing. I never understood it, ever. I never understood of all the things that you um, you would sell, that people would sell the Lord Jesus Christ and try to actually make a business out of this, try to actually, you know, keep the lights on by delivering this message and, you know, accumulating a flock of people who believe similarly and like, I'm going to go and I'm going to start a church in this area. I'm like, what? It's like, you know, better be, you know, it's probably fucking the only thing riskier than starting a restaurant, right? Talk about a difficult task. It's a product that not every, not a lot of people wants or most people think that they have. Especially these days, you know. I'm sure that uh, I've made it no secret that I am not a, I'm not a believer. I'm not a religious person. I'm relatively open, more open than I sound. I'd never say never, but. I certainly am not sold on any particular stripe of religion, especially Christianity, but there's been so many fucking people, myriad folks have been trying to drive it down my throat forever. I'm glad that I, I am proud of the way I feel about it. Anyway, this this Onion article says this fucking, this, uh, youth pastors standing in the, in the middle of a friggin', you know, amid a rec room full of foosball tables and video game consoles and, you know, tic-tac-toe and all these other little games. And the whole idea is that we're going to give these kids something to do. While we simultaneously, you know, the joke is that of course, there's been a lot of um, pedophilia in these um, in the church. I mean, this isn't a little bit. This is a lot. Like I, in this area, I've only been here for 16 years, but there's people that went to church at these Catholics, uh, you know, different churches nearby, and the diocese of Philadelphia. You know, there's all kinds of first front page news about how they moved around priests and different parishes and put them at this church and, and there was an accusation and they hit them and put them there and they are going to do desk work or they are going, going to hide them there they, they protected these scumbags and that it should be a stain on their reputation so I, the people that I know that do these sorts of things I actually know a guy who's a great guy and he's a youth pastor and he's a family man and he I think he's probably doing it very well, Uh, even though at the end of the day, is the mission not to make these kids godly, to show them, you know, the way of thinking that you approve of? Is it not to drive some sort of philosophy, some dogma down their throat? It is. It is. And so I had just seen a friend of mine post something about hey look at our new look at what we're doing today. And I appreciate that it feels like it's his mission or his calling or whatever or his duty. I can't imagine anybody doing it better. Caring and supporting and educating kids. I don't necessarily agree with the education. You know. I feel like it's We teach people all kinds of things. I think that the things that we teach, the subjects subjects that we teach, should have some validity. And I don't believe religion has validity or credibility or anything. You know? I feel like it's an anchor holding us down to these, you know, dogmas and superstitions of old and I feel like it's something that should die a quiet death. And if you want to be spiritual or religious, do that in your own time. I'm not bringing my kid to your church so he can play foosball. You know, while we worship some grandfatherly white god with flowing beard who is also his son who is also a dead spirit I think it's fucking ridiculous, man, that we believe in shit like this in the year 2021. Now, religion's probably on the climb these days because things are so frazzled. People just want some kind of escape, some sort of means to to find to meaning, find meaning, find peace. And I don't don't um, fault anybody for that. I love a lot of people who believe different things in me. I can do that. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to buy into that bullshit. And some of the... um, Let me see if I can find them. Some of the comments on this were fucking hilarious. The Onion. Let's see. The Onion posts. Come on. Watch this shit. There we go. I posted this one, oh fuck, this morning as well. Where are you at? Come on. Posted this one this morning was about exercise. You know, how people. The funny thing is, or the crazy thing, I know a lot of people who've done this, okay? Who were either the, the teens that are attending the thing. I remember going to a friggin' Bible study when I was uh, when I was a kid. I went with my buddy Russell. And it was like a friggin' long banquet table, and everybody would sit around and read Bible passages and scamper around in a musty friggin' dark room, um, play tag and shit like that, and then go home. It wasn't a big deal. The parents kind of got together and spearheaded it my kids will go periodically my son would go and uh, attend this this church uh, not too far from where we live with his friend who's whose parents are actively involved in this church it's their church they love it they want to share it and they want other people they love and care about to be a part of as well and that's commendable but no okay So my son would be there. I was never completely happy about it, but as long as he's having fun and wants to be there, I let it slide. Far be it from me to dictate exactly what my kids do, you know? As long as they're being safe and and they're with their their friends. But, you know, he would come back and tell me all the things that they did that just weren't things that that the Obers do. That doesn't necessarily mean they're bad, but it was a safe environment and they did try to do all kinds of events and sleepovers and generous things and I'm sure these folks grew up doing that sort of stuff at Youth Group but Let kids be kids, you know? Let them go to the park and run around like fools. You don't need to pull them together and be like, Hey, kids, well, you know why we're all here. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody, before we have a snack, everybody say something. Everybody read a passage from this so you know what the Lord says. Just shut the fuck up about the Lord. The Lord. Are you serious with this shit? Play your foosball, motherfucker. I already tell you about, do my impression, Jim Fennon. This is Jim Fennon here from the St. Stanislaus Parish of Parishioners. And I'm calling to see if Dr. Oberst would maybe like to do a tasteful advertisement in our church newsletter bulletin healthy, balanced chiropractic, and wellness center. All of these parishioners sitting in the most uncomfortable oak wooden pews, their arms and shoulders straining from reading from their hymn books, reading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps we can put this in not only the St. Stanislaus Parish of Parishioner's Newsletter, but also St. Maria Goretti. It was like, this is the actual guy who called my office one time. He would call year after year. It was like a gift. I I had his uh, voicemail saved for a very long time because I thought it was so fucking funny. Saints, this is Jim. He'd be like, yes, this is Jim. Start out real slow. Yes, this is Jim and here from the St. Stanislaus. <laughs> you get all passionate. Get the fuck. You, you're out of your fucking mind, bro. <laughs> all right. I got to go lift some fucking weights in here.